When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 53. I am Matt O'Leary, joined by Mitch Anderson, who for the first time in two weeks did not spill beer on himself. Yes. Mitch, how you doing up in Canada? Good. My beer is still foamy. There's foam. You can probably see it. There's foam coming right up to the top there i don't understand why it's doing that it, it looks like you poured from the keg right into your glass bottle that's what it looks like right now yeah and like i didn't tip the glass i just poured it right down like some sort of idiot just i want all the head as possible and then it just foams out like a crazy thing yeah, um, it looks like three quarters foam right about now yeah it is it's awful and i i haven't taken a sip i sorry i had a sip of foam that's all i've had at this point Okay. Awful. Awful. Um, I don't know what the problem is. It's not the beer. I think it's the fridge, as I said before. The fridge is too cold, but it's at like 0.05 coldness on a scale of 10. So I, there's not really much else you could do. You just got to open yeah. it over the sink and pray for the best. That's right. Shrug emoticon. There you go. So, Mitch, what, what edition are we going for for this episode? I'm going with what could have been the best 53 in New York Islanders history. Six-time Norris finalist, one-time Norris winner, Zdeno Chara. Good. That's who I was going to go with, too. With, yes. With all due respect to Casey, I, I love him in his role, but Zdeno Chara, I think, is the more interesting one here because it's the what-could-have-been scenario. <laughs> Big time. Pun intended. Yes. That was good, see, because that went over my head at first until you said hey, pun oh, intended. there's another one. Well, not really. It's a reverse pun, I guess. Okay. Anyways, there done go. with the puns. So we are going with Zenato Chara for episode number 53. We're glad to be talking some New York Islanders hockey as the summer's winding down, Mitch. We're almost done here. Oh, come on. Really? I know. It, Honestly. It, it's sad. Labor Day is going to be coming up, not this weekend, but the following weekend. It's going to be here before you know it. And mm-hmm. One positive is football is back, and another positive is that training camp is back for the New York Islanders, which we care about on this podcast, so let's get into that. Our first topic of this episode is going to be some Lou Lamarillo discussion. Now, in past episodes... (laughs) Specific type of Lou Lamarillo discussion. Yes. In past episodes, we have been very excited and very positive about Lou Lamarillo and all the good things that he could potentially do. But this time, I think we're going to be a little bit more 
critical, and it's not saying that either of us are saying that he's a bad general manager or this is going to be a complete failure, but I think you can criticize and also be happy with the person at the same time. So that's what we're going to be doing right now. Lou Lamarillo had to take against advanced analytics, and I don't know. It sounded it came off a little weird. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I have the exact quote, which I'll read, and then we'll get into it. Okay, read that out for some context there. For some context, Lou Laramillo says on Sirius XM, you have to be very careful with it, talking about analytics, and then says it can get in the way. So that's thanks to our, our buddy Rob Todd for, uh, for, for that, that quote on, on the Twitter box. Um, okay, your first reaction to that is what? Get in the way how? Yeah. Okay. That was my that was my first react. When I first read it, I said, "How?" I think like I knew what he was trying to say, but it sounded very old man yells at cloud. <laughs> that that's all I could think of. I was like, "Ah, what are these numbers? Are those goals? Oh, I don't like that. No, can't met plus minus. No, I don't like that. That's my old man accent. It's really bad. It doesn't sound like an old man, but." Uh, I think you can spin that in whatever way you want. Like, yes, they can get in the way. Absolutely. Because there's, there, we're still in the infancy of analytics when it comes to hockey. But there's still a lot of information out there, right? Like, Corsi is not really what it used to be anymore. People are looking at other stats. War is this big thing right now. There's a war about war. Um there's game scores. There's all kinds of other numbers. And I'm not even... There's relative numbers. So all those, but relative. There's all those over 60. All those just just the straight number. So you can have three different versions of the same number. So yes, they can get in the way because there's a lot there. But with that being said, Lou's got to have some people that he trusts to give him the numbers. He Like you and I, we're not analytics experts. We barely oh, no. understand some of these advanced... Like even barely, some of them I don't get whatsoever. I'm trying. I'm I'm really trying. I'm not that smart when it comes to statistics. There's a reason I didn't con- continue in my my major in economics. Um, hmm. But I appreciate their value, and I think Lou has to do the same. And maybe he does. He just didn't say it right. Um, but he still needs a guy to take that, or guy or girl to take that information, distill it down, and give him what he wants. Right. Or needs. It all depends on to what extent is he saying. Because that's the unknown. He left that open for interpretation. And obviously, like, what we're talking about right now is the worst extent. Like, if you're saying, like, forget analytics. We're going with – we're going to grind them out and play (laughs) 1980-style hockey. Like, that's what we're thinking right now. But we don't necessarily know what he meant. So I guess my biggest question is what do you think he means? Do you think he is actually going to say, like, hey, that we need, like, four grind them out lines? Or do you think it's going to be, like – Maybe take it down a notch with the war and the Corsi stuff and actually use the eye test a little bit to help you out, too. Um, see, when it comes to, to Lou, I don't think he necessarily needs to worry about that himself that much. Right. Like he doesn't have to worry about is is this team uh, are, are, are the is the team winning the Corsi battle? And I'm, I'm only using Corsi because the only one I can think of that quickly. There are obviously better numbers. Are Is, is their Fenwick good? Is there their high danger save percentage good. I don't think he worries about that on a day basis. But with that being said, he still needs someone around to tell him those things come when it, when it comes to player acquisition. You're bringing in a guy who actually doesn't bring you more, who's not going to bring you what you think he's bringing you. 
And we're filling in the gaps here with Lou saying that he's not going to go that way or he's not analytically leaning because we have, what is it, since, since 1987? How long is that? Uh, it's three years after I was born. That's 31 years of NHL experience telling us that he doesn't do that type of thing. That's not the type of hockey Lou plays. So that's why we're, we're kind of leaning towards like, maybe Lou needs a, uh, needs some, some analytics people because it looks like he's not going to do that. Right. I think there has to be some sort of balance. I don't think I don't think it's good to be so into analytics where you let that just completely take over. But on the same token, like you can't be like caveman style of of hockey either. I think there has to be a balance between the two. Yeah, and I think either either side will recognize that people who aren't analytics heavy realize that there's value in analytics, and analytics people realize that there's also value in in the quote unquote eye test, and they know that analytics won't give you the entire picture, but they can give you some valuable information. Right. Like for myself personally, I find myself down the middle, I guess. I see the value in analytics. Like you were saying, I don't necessarily fully grasp all these advanced statistics, but I think that some of them have value. But I also believe that sometimes like, listen, he's been in the game for 31 years. He's going to probably pick up on some stuff that the numbers won't. So I think you need a little bit of like that gut reaction in there too, a mix of both. There's something we have to realize with analytics and that there's not a lot of it is necessarily predictive, right? Not a lot of, like, just because he's got a, someone has a 53% Corsi rating doesn't mean, or Corsi 4, doesn't mean that they're going to be a Corsi monster the rest of their career. That isn't predictive. That's just telling you what has happened, right? This player was good. Is this player going to be good going forward? That's the picture that analytics are still trying to figure out. And, and they're getting there, and they're, they're creating some good numbers, or they're doing some good studies to figure out what's going on, uh, or, or what, what's not what's going on, but what could go on in the future. Um, but we just don't have a clear picture. And, and like that, to, to be said, we, I don't think we ever will. The, by the time analytics gets to a point where they can accurately say, yes, this player will regress at this point, the game will change. It's constantly changing. So I don't think the analytics will ever the analytics analytics will ever have a clear predictive picture, and that's perfectly fine. That's why it's a, it's a game, it's a game, and it's played. There's so much randomness in hockey that that's why analytics will never perfectly capture anything, everything, and and the analytics community will tell you that. So I think it's fine to say that we can't completely rely on analytics because it can crowd some things out. Um, but with that being said, you still have to use it. Like you, you can't just ignore it. Oh no, that's like the flat earthers of the world. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> like that's pretty much the comparison. I mean, nope, I'm just not going to believe it. You still have to take these things, and yes, some of them are probably a little bit more advanced than he or whoever is in charge would like to probably go. But you still have to use it as a tool and say, okay, I have this information. Now what am I going to do with it? That's the next step. Yes. Right. So. I think we're both on the same page here, and I think everyone listening is on the same page. But I think there's also something to be said of, like like you said at the beginning, yes, this doesn't sound great, but you know what? We now have someone who could run a franchise. Yes, he might be steeped in 1980s or 1990s trap hockey, but he still knows how to run a franchise, and we need that. We desperately need that. We need someone who knows how to not only run it day-to-day, but just build it up and, and operate at, at a normal NHL capacity, something we haven't had in pff, decades. 
Yeah, it's looking like a more competent organization. And you know what? I'll take that for right now. Yes, exactly. We just need stuff. to rebuild the brand, the New York Islanders brand, and then we can get in some some better, not better, but some some minds that may adapt to these analytics more so than Lou Lamarillo might. Right. I think that's perfectly fine. I agree. I think we're on the same page here. Perfect. All right, so now let's get into our next topic. And this is a little bit of a tough one, I guess. But it has to do with the brain injuries because former Islander Brian Burrard is suing the NHL for his brain injuries. Where do you want to start with this one? Um, first, I need to note, is this part of the already class action lawsuit or is he just doing it independently? It seems from what I'm reading that he's just doing it independently it, and he hasn't joined that class action lawsuit. It certainly seemed independent from TMZ had it first. TMZ Sports actually had it, so that's where I got it from when I put it up on the site. So it seems like he is doing it by himself. Right. Okay, so where do we want to go from here? Does Is the NHL doing enough to protect against concussion? Maybe now, right? It's At this point, they are better when he played probably not. Right, like yes, you you had to wear helmets, but like there wasn't like a concussion protocol like what there is in like the NFL even now, and I don't. I think in any really contact sport, when you played, you know, twenty years ago at this point, the game was different then. I don't think I agree with him to an extent saying that they didn't do enough at the time, but now with all this new information that's out there, I completely get where these guys are coming from and saying, well, we didn't know that this was going to happen. That That's a tough one to swallow, that they didn't know that they were going to get concussed. Um, how do I go with this? It's that I'm for the idea of we need protection and we need to do something about this. But I'm also for the idea of you accept a certain amount of risk when you play this game. And you, you you know the risk. You might not know it's CTE, however. So there's something to be said. If, if the NHL was hiding the fact that concussions cause CTE and CTE can be fatal, that's a big deal. That That's a... I don't even know how to say it. That's a... Anyways. That's a not moving forward. What is the word I'm trying to use here? Why am I without my words today? Um... Oh, it's like if you're buying a house and there's something like that you, you're not going to buy the house because it's not, oh, why can't I think of this word? Anyways, you know what I'm trying to say. I, I get what you're trying to say here. It's like the, it's tough. I think that's the main point that we're trying to get out there right now is that it's a little bit awkward because you, you know the risks, but maybe you don't know the extent of the, the risks. At the time, right, like and that's the league's responsibility to come out and and say if they know, they're not going to go and proactively say like in the 1970s, go, hey, we we hit each other a lot. That's probably not a good thing, right? Can we study that? They're not going to go and do that, and maybe they should have, right? Maybe some, there's some negligence on that part. Going, your your guys were getting concussed quite frequently, obviously, and you were telling them to go back out there. 
Right. But now, really, the only thing you can do is affect what's going on right now in the future. And if you do things like trying to take dirty hits out of the game, going up high, and probably one way to enforce it is steeper penalties, whether it's fines and suspensions, making them more money and longer suspensions in in order to try and get the dirty hits out of the game. And look, like, obviously, there's going to be a, a penalty when you when you go up high on somebody or something like that. But even something after the fact from coming from the league as punishment should be taken too. Yeah. The word, the word I was trying to think of or two words is deal breaker. It was a deal. It's a deal breaker. If the NHL knew about CTE and they, they were hiding it, that's a deal breaker. That's a, you can't come back from that. That is some evil type stuff. What you're, what I agree with what you're saying with, if you increase the penalties, you decrease the frequency. I think with the NHL, that they have the penalties right. They have the suspensions. They have the, the, the legal body within their league. So the, the, the Department of Player Safety has the ability to suspend these players, and they're doing it. They just need to be more consistent. And I think that that will be a better impetus towards these high hits or these hits to the heads than increasing the fines to such an exorbitant amount that it just it just seems kind of ridiculous. I guess I I'd have to look at the numbers cuz I don't know like if right you know hits to the head have decreased since they've installed these I believe it has. It probably has, right? So just continuing these kinds of steps and you know now if you're going into it now they have to make you aware of all the potential risks going into the league. And yeah. like still like you have the opportunity Maybe not as much as like football because that's also a big example with CTE and head injuries. Mm -hmm. But you do still have the opportunity to make millions of dollars playing this game. So it's almost like you know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, to me it's not an idea of the compensation rewards the risk. Um, It's that we've been playing this game long enough that you know what happens when you play hockey and you play a physical sport like this, like lacrosse, like football, any any sport, even baseball. There's concussions in baseball constantly. That's not a contact sport. Um, You know that you're you're probably going to get concussed at some point. The issue here is what do concussions do and did the NHL know about it? Right, like, what's the fallout from a concussion? And if they knew something about it, that's a huge red flag. That's that's a deal breaker. Again, I'm bringing it back up so I don't forget it. Um, but if they didn't know, that's kind of tough. If they had no idea, that's kind of tough. Did they have a responsibility to try to find out? Yeah, I can kind of see that argument. I'm with you there. It's tough to say. Did they know at the time? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So. That's. I think that's the whole point of this. Is did the NHL know? Did they? cover it up and if so that that's that's something that needs to be fixed and people need to be fined or I don't know if you can pe- put people in jail I think this will just be a, a, a payout type thing like the NFL did I think at that point if something comes out yeah if something does come out it's gonna someone's gonna be getting a lot of money but I don't necessarily yeah. blame Brian for doing this or for trying no like he's got he's not a number of concussions and stuff so but I think that what we're trying to get out now that we've we've spoken about this for like ten minutes is is the NHL doing enough for concussions or to prevent concussions even not even in just so much as the um, the suspensions or the fines that they're giving out but even the 
um, the concussion protocol that they have in place? Is that enough? Yeah, I I would say I think so. I think they're heading in the right direction with it. They're, the, see, that's the thing. They're headed in the right direction. Agreed. I don't think anyone's going to say like, no, they should just scrap it and go, although I'm sure some people might. The people, the, the sandpaper grid people probably want to get rid of it entirely. Um, but it just seems that there's still not enough teeth. Like the concussion spotters don't have enough teeth to actually be able to enforce. They can get players to come off, but players seem to come back within seconds. Oh, no, it's fine. What? How does? How did you have time to sit in a dark room and have someone assess if you're concussed or not? And that's a problem because players are always going to want to come back and play. Yeah, it's got to be someone who's a neutral party. They can't. Yeah, be and, like and they have that right. They have doctors sitting in the stands, but it's still. We'll see this season, but I remember there's a few instances last season where players came back right on the ice, like within seconds, minutes. You're like, that's not enough. That's something if he's going there. Yeah, I don't know. The system's obviously not perfect, but I think that, like we both hit on already, that is heading in the right direction and just continue working on this. This is something that should be brought to light and something that should be at the forefront of discussions going forward. Agreed. Agreed. Mitch, want to get into a little over-under game? Let's do it. Let's do some betting. We already did some earlier today. Let's do some more. Yes. For If you don't follow us on Twitter, let's just update the people for what yeah. we did today. So we are both high on Matthew Barzell. We're both Islanders fans. So we super made, high. We made a bet with some Twitter folks saying that he will eclipse, he being Matt Barzell, will eclipse 90 points this year. Or if he doesn't play a full 82 games, he has to be at a 1.1 1. 1. points per game. So it, pace. it was with my two other two other pals on the other podcast I do called Ryan and Pine. And, um, they aren't so big on Matt Barzell. One still thinks that he can score 83 points. The other one doesn't. I think he just he's taking the other side of things um, just for the sake of it. So if we don't win, if Matthew Barzell doesn't score 90 points or more or 1.1 point per game, as long as he plays 60 games or more, if we don't get that, then we have to go into some sort of major artery in our respective cities and hold a sign up saying whatever team they want us to say is the best team in the world. Something like that. Yeah. Wearing the other team's jersey. So that'll be right. weird. So I might need one of your guys to ship me a Canadians or Senators jersey or whoever they choose, <laughs> if that's who it is. Yeah, but we'll figure that out. We'll have to figure it out, or I might be sending up my Barzal jersey to one of those guys. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that is a steep price to pay. We'll, we'll figure out the jersey swap. Hopefully we don't have to do anything. So now we're going to do some more betting with that. An over-under yes. game again, this time with Anders Lee, and we're not talking about points, we're talking goals, because that's all the man does is score goals. 76 in the last two years. So 74, isn't it? He scored 40 this year and 34 last year? You're right. Okay, I know why I said 76. We'll get to it in a second. But yes, oh, you're, okay. you're, you're right. Uh, so we set the over-under at 34 and a half. Right. So essentially okay. 35 goals or more is the over and anything 34 or less is the under. Mitch, right. what are you taking? I'm taking the over. Okay. What Do you have a number in mind that you're going with? I'm going with 37. Okay. I'm taking the over and I'm going with 36. So I did yeah. 40 plus 36. That's why. Uh, okay. That's what you're doing. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, he's uh, in the last two seasons, he has just as many goals as Austin Matthews. 
Yes. So take that. Although Andres Lee is in the top 20 winger in the NHL, but Austin Matthews is the fourth best center in the league. I know it's not necessarily measured only on goals, but when you look at that, you go, that's clearly top 20 material. If he can score as much as the guy playing center, who's arguably the fourth best center in the league. Come on. Like, come on. I agree. I don't think he necessarily has to be top seven or top ten even. But I, when I looked at the list and I wrote that he was snubbed, I said he should definitely be at minimum eighteen. Yeah, at least, at least. What William Carlson got? Um, what is fifteenth, fourteenth on that list? Something. And he like had one forty goal season, forty three goals. Honestly, put up thirty four last year and forty. William Carlson wasn't even like. What was he? A third line winger for uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets last year, playing maybe 11 minutes a game? Come on, please. Anyways, so 37. Can he do it? Absolutely, he can do it. There's no reason he can't. It's not like he was scoring fluke goals last year, right? No. It's not like they were just bouncing off of him like, oh, well, that was a lucky goal. A lot of it had to do with him clearing space in front of the net or finding space in front of the net and then roofing it or getting it around a goalie. There was still some hand-eye coordination that needed to happen for Honors Lee to get 40 goals last year, and he did it. Right, and I know everyone's going to say, oh, but John Tavares isn't here, you're losing him, blah, blah, blah. But if you, at the bare minimum, keep him with Bailey, or even if he does play with Barcel, it's not like he's some schmuck, all right? So (laughs) there's every opportunity for Anders Lee to score goals this upcoming year. That's that's, that's right. the point. I don't necessarily see a de- a decrease or a heavy decrease because forty goals that's a lot to say he's got to now score forty two or forty or more. That might be a bit excessive, but thirty six, thirty seven, like we said, that seems reasonable. I think the issue for that is is again it, it does kind of come back to John Tavares when you look at last year in his forty goal season. Honors Lee assist had. 11 primary assists to Anders Lee goals and 7 secondary assists. The exact same number as John Tavares. So as long as he's with Bailey, he should still put up some good numbers. It's just getting him up to that level, the same level, the 40-point level, or sorry, 40-goal level. Who's going to pick up the pace that Tavares left out? Bailey can can kick it up a notch, I'm sure, but is Jan Kovar going to do it? Or is Anders Lee even playing on the top line? If he's playing on top line, well then, pff, forget it. It's done. It's easy. Yeah, because then you got uh, Barzal and probably Everly on the other side. Exactly. So, like, that seems that seems like a lock. But it's just the idea of him playing on the second line with Bailey, which is still fine, and Jan Kovar or Brock Nelson even. Like, if he's playing with Brock Nelson, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah, like, it is. Yeah. I know he's a center, but he wasn't very good last year at center. No. We talked at length that we think he should be playing wing. I don't think the Islanders agree with us in this case. I think they see him as a center. Probably the third line center. I can't even say that. I think they might no, put him as then, a second I, line center. They might. But then where does Kovar play? Uh, we've, we've, we've done this a million times. We've done this a million times. So even if, he, if he's playing with, with Nelson, there might be a problem there. His numbers might go down at that point, yeah. But I think the I think the safe bet here would be the over at, with that line. I think the safe, yeah, I think so. And it, obviously, it, it all depends on the price. And we haven't set a price for this because we're not betting with actual money, and no one has odds on Honors Lee scoring over under thirty four point five goals. We just made that up ourselves. Um, 
but I would have to assume that it would be more advantageous to go for the other, the over. I think Vegas would say he might go under because Tavares isn't there. Right. Like, when I came up with these numbers, I just thought, like, what would be reasonable expectations for him? Yeah. No, yeah. I, I'm just I'm trying to take it to the next level. Is that If we're actually sitting at a betting table or with a bookie, I think there would be more value in going with the over. It would be like a plus 150, let's say, whereas the under would be a plus one or negative 160 or something like that. Okay. So they're, they're more – Vegas is probably looking at him and saying he's probably going to hit the under because Tavares isn't there. Whereas we all know that it wasn't necessarily Tavares generating all those goals. He had something to do with it, sure. But so did Bailey. So did just Anders Lee. Anders Lee had to do a lot of work to get that done, right? Like It, it wasn't just like the goals were fashioned for him. He just had to put a stick on the ice. Yeah, no, he it's did not have like, to put a stick so, on the ice. And he had, dude, he had to do more. It's not like Tavares and Bailey were just shooting it off his butt and it was going in or anything like that. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? He was still doing – he was clearing space in front of the net. He was – lifting it over the goalies he was finding you know open spots which he's really good at and he's found himself a really nice niche and i don't mean niche as in like oh he's not a good player or anything like that i i, I mean it, it's or a very good one dimensional yeah it's a very good he's he plays his role perfectly he's the best at it in the league probably right up there with jvr so i i can't see him going under 35 i really can't no I, I can't see it. It's possible. Again, if Brock Nelson's your center, that, that is going to hurt. Um, but maybe Brock Nelson playing for a contract kind of negates that, and it's all it's all good. Hopefully. But right? we're going to have to yeah. see. And, yeah. and that's a question mark, which goes into our next topic, oh, which is nice. what are the biggest questions heading into the Islander season? We came up with five of them. Mitch, I don't yep. know if you have the list handy and want to read them out. I do. Okay. So, question number one, is there room for youth in this team this year? Question number two, will goaltending be able to... Well, will goaltending be good? I think is what I wrote. Number three, is Josh Bailey going to be the same without John Tavares? Number four, can the, top, the fourth line fly again? And number five, can a defensive system actually help? Okay. So let's start from the top. Yep. So we're getting back into that debate all over again. Is how how they make room for Joshua Zhang and Kiefer Bellows, or or are they not making room for them at all? I think we've come to the idea that they're not going to make room for them. I think it would be very difficult for them to make it, and here's why: I they not only do they have to have a good camp for themselves, but they have yeah. to clearly, clearly, clearly outshine some veterans. In order for yeah. them to say, "All right, we got to make a move now," right? And and we've seen we've seen that happen in previous camps where youth outshines vet and the vets go right. Like two years ago, Matthew Barzal and Bo- Bovillier came in. That's right, and Pa Parento was waived. Could they do that again this year? Sure, they could. It's just the idea then comes to who are they waving? That like Andrew Ladd, Andrew Andrew Ladd isn't going anywhere. The only guy I can think of is Kovar. Yep. That's it. And that means Brock Nelson is your second line center. Blech. <laughs> and that means they have to outplay Kovar. So that that's possible. It's possible, obviously. But then that still confused like, like compiles the the logjam of bottom six players that we have. Because now you're adding another bottom six player. Kovar technically could have been as well. So you're you're not really making things easier on the bottom six. No, it's it's gonna be a tight fit no matter which way you go. 
Yeah. So I, I, at this point, someone's already being waived. There's already be one person being waived. We know that just because they have to fit a seventh defenseman. They don't have one. So someone's going down, likely Kunakul, likely him. Uh, but that just means that they're getting a seventh thief. They're trying to bring in that use that they could probably use. Oh, how do they do it? I don't know. I've, I've Kovar's tried. Probably the guy. You're probably right. I've tried many a times to figure out a way in which they could do it, but the only guy I could see being waived is Kovar because, like, and yeah, he might even be better than like an Andrew Ladd or a Philpila. But you gave Philpila the the no move. Yeah. Kovar, you got for four more years. No, Komarov. With a note, with Komarov, sorry, I meant. Yeah, but with a, a note, he's got trade protection. He's got, I think tra- it's a modified, <laughs> he's got no trade. modified no trade protection. And then Andrew Ladd's here for an eternity, also. So yeah, um, or they make a trade. You know, I'm down for that. Ek is available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently <laughs> Vancouver was interested. Lols. Uh, okay, so next on the list was goaltending. So I, I guess the question here for us with, with the youth is that we don't think that they're going to have a spot and we want them to have a spot because the Islanders need creative offensive players and players to move the puck out of the zone or to even score more because we're going to have to make up what John Tavares left with. Uh, and, and JHS and Bellows make up that. They, they can fill that gap. Not completely, but they can make a big dent. But we don't think that's going to happen. But we'll see. Three weeks till training camp starts. Let's go. Can't wait. Question two. Will goaltending be good? They got Grice and Leonard in. Can they be better than last year? Oh, I definitely think they'll be better. I think Grice... How much better? If I had to pick a number, so what? They no, were... Maybe not pick a number. Just like on a scale of like... If you had to think between... Uh, they'll be the same, good, better, much better, or the same... A little bit lower, bad, terrible. Good. Okay. Yeah. So, like, if I had to... They were the 31st team in goaltending last year, right? Clearly, yeah. So... I I don't even need numbers. I know that. That's for sure. Maybe they're 22? Yeah, and that's fine. So, do you have them as average goalies? I think we had had the over-under for... For... um, What's his name? Leonard at... Uh, a nine twelve save percentage, I think it was right. Yeah, it it was. I would I would take the over there. Same, not by much, not by much. No, I don't think he'll be over nine twenty. So I think right. between he, nine thirteen and nine nineteen. Yeah, and he was a nine oh five last year, and he didn't get a qualifying offer. He wasn't terrible. That's better than both Halak and oh no, was was Halak a nine oh eight last season? So I think it was just between Halak and and Grice who had an eight ninety two, if I'm not mistaken, save percentage. Um, so he was within the two, and his goals against average were you know, not great either with a 302, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right uh, Or there. 282. I think it was a 282. Um, it still wasn't great. It wasn't good. No, I'm thinking of Grice with a 382. When I was uh, 301 anyways. and 908. Yeah, there you go. He had a 908. So he was better than Halak last year in terms of save percentage alone. Right. I... I think both his save percentage goes up, and I definitely think the goals against average goes down. If I had to put a number on it right now, I'd go uh, nine sixteen and two fifty five. See, I'm gonna go like two sixty eight nine fourteen. Nothing fantastic, perfectly average. Okay, yeah. just perfectly average. 
And if he's getting you what he started fifty games last year, and I'm I'm pretty sure, uh, if he gets you like forty games at that rate, you're winning a lot more games than you were last year. Oh, absolutely. So I think that's that's they will be better. How much better? We'll see. You can look for just a few <laughs> Is that your Alexa going up? Alexa started giving me the weather for Freeport. Mm, the FBI I know. wants you to know how warm it is where they are. <laughs> that is so weird. <laughs> Literally, you're talking. I didn't even say anything. I was just listening, and then it started going oh. off about Freeport. I'm gonna just. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Question number three: Why is Alexa trying to tell you how warm it is in Freeport? No, it's a. Uh, can Josh Bailey be as good as he was without John Tavares? No. No, I, I don't think we both we both agree on that. It's just how. What is going to be the negative impact? How big of a negative impact is this going to be on Josh Bailey? I think is the question now. I think is he it, could put up between 50 and 60. Right. So not a huge impact. It's going to be felt. He's going to be impacted negatively, but it's not going to be detrimental. No, and I think that's still productive for $5 million a year. Heck yeah, I'll take 50, 60 points for $5 million. That's fantastic. Uh, now, is he going to score 50, 60 points for the next six years? Oof. We'll see. Um, but I'll take that. I think that's perfect. That That's great if you can get 50, 60 points consistently out of him. Um, I just, I do still kind of worry a little bit. Not because, and it is, yes, because Tavares is gone, but it's also that they don't have some, he's not playing with someone of even remotely equal caliber. No, because I don't see a way that he stays on the top line with Barzal because I think they're going to put Everly up there with him. So right. If he played with Barzal, I'd give him a little bit better a shot getting to 70 points again. But since it's probably going to be with a Brock Nelson or Jan Kovar or someone like that, I think it's only natural that he drops down to, I don't know, 56 points maybe, something like that. That's right. And, and yes, the argument here is, well, then you're you're saying he is a product of Tavares. What we're saying is that the impact that a, pl- a point per game player is going to have on the people around him is there for sure. You can't you can't argue against it. What you can argue against is how big of an impact that loss is going to be. And we don't think it's going to be career defining. We just think it's going to kind of he's going to go down a little bit. Just to say. Yeah, I think that's only natural. Okay. Question four: Will the fourth line fly again? Can Matt Martin, Cal Clutterbuck, and Casey Zekas go back to the way they were? I think they could. I don't know if they necessarily will, though, because of how men, how many people are in their bottom six. Like, I don't think it's a lock that their fourth line opening night is Martin Sezikis Clutterbuck. I think it is for opening night. Oh, okay. I think opening night you put Martin in. You get people feeling good. You get people into the gates. Although, I don't think they're playing at home opening night, are they? Carolina. Yeah, they're in Carolina opening night. Our season opener. Um so I, I think I think they play Martin game one, game game two in, in, in Brooklyn. I think they play that until it doesn't play out well, and then they try to stick someone else in. Okay. Um, but they're going to give it like two weeks kind of thing, I think. I hope it works out because I really like that fourth line unit. Yeah, they're a lot more expensive now, and yes, they're a lot older now too. But it's a nice story. It's an interesting storyline, and I hope it works out for that case. I think I think it will. Like again, these players were still pretty good when they were apart. Like Matt Martin was on on pace for twenty points last year, which is a career high for him. He just didn't play enough because well, they had better options in Toronto. Does he come here and put up that same kind of 
play? Probably, why not? For the last three years, he was theoretically within the same, um, the same framework of points that he was when he was here. So arguably, he could still do it. You can see that he can still do it, even in another system. Um, Casey Zekos was still just as good. He had limited time, but it wasn't because he was being scratched for poor play. He was injured from like freak injuries. He got a cut on his wrist from someone's skate. And it just it reaggravated time and time again. Like that's just something you can't right you can't so stop. If he play if he plays all eighty two games this year or like seventy five plus, I think he'll give you close to thirty points between yeah, seventy five and, and thirty. That's, that's a career year for Casey Zekas. And if we're getting we're already talking about fifty points between the two of them, between Matt Martin and Casey Zekas, then what do you think Cal Clutterbuck is doing? He's probably getting you another 15, 20 points. We're now up to 70 points. Well, that's as, as productive as they were two years ago. It was 71 points they put up. Right, and I, th- I think Clutter's struggled the most since Martin's left. Yeah. I think he could give you close to 10 goals and 20 to 25 points again. Yeah, and, and I think that's perfectly reasonable for... It's not reasonable for the price that they're paying, but it's reasonable for the deployment that they'll be given. Yeah, and if they do that, you could almost... Almost live with the price tag. Yeah, it's a tough price tag to live with. That's a lot of money. It is, but they still have cap room to work with and stuff. Yeah, they have a ton of cap room. Okay, question five. Uh, will a system help, or can a system help that much? What say you, Matt O'Leary? I think it does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I think I think Nicoletti is going to be the one affected the most. I think he is going to have a very good year. This yeah. upcoming year, I'm very excited to see what Ryan Pulak does. Johnny Boychuk, if he could stay healthy, huge question, but I think he should continue to be productive. Well, I think that's, I don't think that's a question. If he can stay healthy, he can't. No. So it's a matter of how many games he play 50, 60, maybe, topping out at. I, I think with less minutes, yeah, we'd probably get him maybe 70. Maybe. That's the thing. Like, I know you love Boychuk, and I'm not saying I don't like Boychuk or anything like that. I do, but I think that he should be moved to the second pair now. I think it should be Lenny and Pulak yeah. on the top. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Because absolutely. then you could have Hickey and Boychuk on that second pair. And this new regime seems to really like Hickey a lot. That's why they gave him the four-year $10 good. million deal. Hickey is a good defender. He's He's not like a premier defender, but he does everything right positionally. He's good. He's good. Yeah. Give him more time. That's fine. And then the bottom pair is probably some combination of Adam Pellick slash Devin Taze and Scott Mayfield. Scott Mayfield. Yeah. And that's that's perfectly fine. Let the rooks figure out the bottom. See who stands out. And if he stands out, then you push him up and you can push Hickey down. No big deal. Um this is all about getting more out of Johnny Boychuk because we've got him for a long time. He also has trade protection. He's got another, if I'm not mistaken, four years at $6 million a piece. That's a lot of time on a guy who's already 34 years old. He's going to be 35 this year, I think. Yeah, he turns 35 in December, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's, they're not, that's not going to age well. That contract is not going to look good. Uh, I think in, in two years it kind of drops off like a Marion Hosa type situation, so maybe we can he, maybe he'll retire. Um, but with the emergence of Pulak, it, it absolutely makes sense to put him up there. And, and, and I absolutely agree with you that Nick Letty will benefit the most from having a defensive system in place. That defensive system that Doug Wade instilled last year did not work for Nick Letty or it seemed anyone else. 
they didn't seem to know what the heck they were doing out there. And it's not that they're incompetent defenders. I believe his assistant that was being instructed to them just what didn't make any sense. Or they didn't know how to work it out. And so they were lost half the time. And it just ended up with the puck being in their net or blown defensive coverages. It just There was a lot of rookie mistakes being done last year. And I, I chalk that up to the system and not the personnel. Right. And Trotz should be able to make a huge difference there. Big difference. Huge difference. So we answered those five questions. In my mind, those are the five biggest questions heading into the year. Check, 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 done. Success. Stanley Cup, please. (laughs) If only it was that easy. (laughs) Want to get into some social stuff? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so we were actually asked a question. Let's start here, because I think this is a pretty interesting one. Yeah. We were asked, how did we meet and start the podcast? So, and I forget, do you have the handle who asked it? Oh, I don't, but I, I'll, I'll go find it as, as you vamp, or as you, you start the as story. As I here. start the story. A young Matt O'Leary in 2016 was applying for jobs, and he stumbled across Eyes on Isles looking for an editor. He applied. He got a contributor's position. Myself and Mitch were the only two people on the website. <laughs> yep. It has, was, at that time, dormant for months. Yeah, like we built it from that. I think it was March of 2016. Yeah, up until now, and in that, how many months span is it? Well, that's two full years and six months. No, five months. So I'll tell you my side of things, and the tweet is from Michael Justiniano, which is at Isles two three nine who asked us maybe an answer for uh, one of your podcast social segments, but how did you guys end up meeting each other and making a podcast together? Uh, and I think that the, the reason that question is being asked is because you're in Long Island and I'm in Ottawa, Ontario. How the heck did two people that far apart meet as Islanders fans, first off, and then come together and make a podcast about it? And and it's just, uh, for me, I had never heard of Fansided before. And then a buddy of mine who does some writing on the side uh, for another blog called Tough Tough Call Blog, he was applying to Fansided. And I thought, what the? He knew I was looking for work in terms of trying to make money writing for hockey. And I applied, kind of the same thing. Within two months, they're like, hey, do you want to be an editor or call it quote unquote expert? Sure. How much you paying me? And then it wasn't a lot. I think our first payout was $23. Yes, baby. Um, but we always knew we needed to do more. Like the writing is fine, but that doesn't create a base or a fan base or uh, a steady group of people or a community even. And we thought podcast was the best way. We've seen Isle's Anxiety. We listened to that one religiously. And another, a couple of others were starting to pop up. And we thought we need to get in the game too. And sure enough, we did so. And we both have podcasting experience, too. Like, to break the right. fourth wall a little bit, like, my day job, I'm a general manager of a college radio station. Mitch went to audio school, right? I studied in a recording studio. Right. So the, you have two guys who know audio a little bit. Uh, that's why we pride ourselves on our sound quality. So it's yes. not it doesn't sound awful, which I definitely think helps a lot. And listen, we've done it. For a year, last week was our one-year edition episode. Yeah, woo! And we're gonna continue to do it. And I don't know, Mitch. Even though we only met in person a couple of times, we were pretty Twice. close. 
<laughs> yeah, we literally twice. But it doesn't feel like that because we we talk every week on not only this show but in meetings and stuff like that. So it was definitely cool to do that, and I'm excited that we decided to do the show and that we're going to continue going forward too. It's good. Good times are coming for Eyes on Isles. That's for sure. Good times are coming. I know I keep saying that, but it's coming. It is coming. That is for sure. Did you have anything? Um, I had a tweet here from again our friend Rob Tob, uh, who said. I'm sorry, Bovada has Alexander Radulov at a 101 shot to win the heart, but they don't have Barzal, who had 12 more points than him last season and led his team in scoring. Wow. I, I agree. Fair. In so much that I don't understand why Barzal was not included there. I don't get it. I don't know if I'd necessarily be willing to bet on Barzal for the heart, but he should be have odds. He should be in there. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and I understand that it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, it just where do they th- where do they think they can make money, right? Like, so it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't think he can win it. It's that they don't think they can make money on a bet for Barzell, which makes sense because the Islanders, in all honesty, are a small fan base. We're small. Look at just look at the Facebook followers for the Islanders. I think it's three hundred one thousand. Most NHL teams are in the millions or are at least double to triple that number. So that tells you enough about the people who engage with the New York Islanders on a daily basis, like all of us do. Uh, It's small. So they're not going to include someone like that who is arguably still on the fringe to win the award because they're just not going to make enough money on it. No one's going to play that bet. Yeah. But could he? Hey, if the Islanders make the playoffs, it's because Matthew Barzal had a Taylor Halls-like season. Let me say that again without so many S's. Had a Taylor Hall-like season. There, there you go. That had that was a little tough to get out there, but <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I agree with pretty much everything you just hit on. I the, the Islanders are gonna if they are gonna make the playoffs, it's ha, it's gonna be because they rode Matthew Barcel and he had a ridiculous number, and that means that we are going to win the bet. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, take that, Darcy and Harper. Ha ha ha. Last thing that I had, and it's not necessarily hockey related, but I wanted to bring it up with you. If you follow Mitch on Twitter, which you should, at TLO Mitch, he is now getting into baseball and he has picked his team. You are now a fan of the Milwaukee Brewers. So first, I want to ask, how did you pick the Brewers? And what was the process like of trying to pick out an MLB team? Um, so the process was the reason I, I picked a new team was that I was following the Blue Jays because they're the only team in Canada. But since Toronto took our boy John Tavares, I didn't feel like cheering for anything Toronto related anymore. I didn't like the idea of having a Toronto Maple Leafs or Toronto Maple Leafs Toronto Blue Jays hat and like wearing an Islanders T-shirt. And I was just kind of like, whoa, this doesn't feel right. Uh, and I love baseball hats. I just love the fitted hats that, anyways, the fifty nine fifties. So I was like, I need to pick a new team. And I kind of want to get into baseball because I don't know enough about it, so on and so forth. So I looked at all the teams, and I even asked my brother for, for help. Like, what's what's a cool team that I don't know about? He's like, you should probably look into the Milwaukee Brewers. You're into beer. You're into brewing beer. I started making my own at home. And I was going, you know what? That's a perfect fit. I'm going to take the Brewers. Done. That's what I'm doing. So That's how, the decision process. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. It's certainly, you're probably the only Milwaukee Brewer fan in Ano Canada. Probably, yeah. Um, have you watched any games yet? I watched the game against the Reds last night. Oh, I watched the first five innings. My wife and I started watching I Am a Killer on Netflix. It's okay. a pretty good show. 
Um, and I watched the game before that again against the Reds. Okay, so the day before. Do you do you have any favorite players yet? Not yet. No, I I, I barely I barely can remember their names. I think the shortstop was Asuna. He had a nice a couple play couple nice plays the other night. So and I probably have mispronounced his name, but I know he was a shortstop. Yeah, and remember what I told you on Twitter, Travis Shaw, the mayor of Ding Dong City. <laughs> you gotta love that nickname. <laughs> I love it so much. I was like, that's why? gonna be right up his alley. So why is it Ding Dong City? I don't get it. Uh, it has to do with hitting home runs. Oh, okay. Uh, he used to be on the Red Sox, and a Red Sox blogger coined that term, and it stuck. The mayor of Ding Dong City. I love it. Ding Dong City. <laughs> That's so awesome. So, best of luck in your Brewers fandom endeavors. As Thank you. Hopefully they do well. They are a team that is rising, potentially a playoff team. So They're on the cusp. Run. It should be a fun run for you. Thank you. And I'm very happy you're getting into baseball. Yes, thank you. Mitch, that's it, I think, for me. I don't know if you had anything else. Nope, that's all I've got. I'm I'm done for the day. I've done talking aisles. I think I can only talk aisles so much. All right, that's let's, not true. Let's get some plugs in so that Mitch can go to bed. Yes. <laughs> uh, so for some PSAs, make sure that if wherever you're listening to subscribe, rate, and review, that really helps us with our searchability, and we appreciate that, so please do. You can also follow along with us on Twitter at Eyes on Isles FS. My personal Twitter account is at Matt NY. Mitch's is at T-L-O Mitch. You can give us a like on our Facebook page also, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. And, of course, you can visit the website and download our app for all your New York Islanders needs. Mitch, another episode in the books. 53 of them gone. We're getting there. We're getting there. The season is almost here, Matt. It's almost here. Weeks away. Weeks away. Summer is winding down. Training camp is coming very soon. Oh, I can't wait to bet on preseason hockey again. I made so much money last year. Yes, this is going to be awesome. Um, And the degenerate gambling is coming back out. (laughs) Yay! So with that, that's it for episode number 53. We will talk to you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.